Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Our Father, as we approach your Word, we do so with reverence and humility. We thank you for the privilege of studying your Word together this evening. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to enlighten us and instruct us in the way of righteousness and truth, to unveil to our hearts the deep, rich treasures of your Word, and also to quicken us accordingly. We expect to be changed by your Spirit from glory to glory. We boldly declare that we have what this Word says we have, we are what this Word says we are, and we can do what this Word says we can do. And Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Think through my thoughts and speak through my lips and make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us and keep us free. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's achieved among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me, if you would please, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Wednesday nights we usually dedicate to faith, teaching along the lines of faith, knowing it's important that we understand the principles of faith and how faith works. But it's equally as important to know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so really whatever subject you teach on will bring faith. So we can still say it's faith night even though I'll teach on prayer. Besides, faith makes prayer work. How many of you know that faith makes prayer work? Prayer does not make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. You've got to believe God to have your prayers answered. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This particular verse indicates to us that there is more than one way to pray and that there is more than one kind of prayer. Praying is important. Learning how to develop an effective prayer life is important. Someone said learning to pray is more important than a college education. He was not belittling education. He was speaking of the importance of learning how to get your prayers answered by God because that is more important. If you can't, you may not be around to get your education. Amen. So it's important to understand that there are different kinds of prayers. There are different ways to pray. There are different rules to prayer. And as students or disciples of Christ, we need to learn all about what the Word teaches on the subject because that's how you acquire faith. And if you want to have an effective prayer life, then you need to know what the Word says on the subject. And this verse helps us understand there are different kinds of prayer. But there's also another verse in John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 7, that says something also equally as important about prayer, and that's John 15, 7. If you want to look at it, you may. I'll quote it to you. Jesus speaking, saying, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, I'd like to have everybody really focus in on that verse, look at it very closely and intently, because Jesus is our Lord, and He is speaking here, and this is what He says. If, everybody say if. Big word. 
Probably one of the biggest words in the English language. If. Right? If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, then ye shall ask what ye will. Notice what you will. But you're asking what you will is based on, first of all, you're finding your place in Him and His Word finding its place in you. It's not just asking what you will apart from those two points. It's you are truly abiding in Him. You're, you've found your place in Him. And now His words have found their way into your heart. And not just His Word in particular, generally speaking, but His words with regard to prayer. He's talking about producing prayer fruit. And therefore, it's important to understand that His Word regarding prayer must abide within our hearts. And if my Word abides in you, then you will ask what you will, and lo and behold, it will be done unto you. I like that, don't you? I mean, everybody loves the end result, right? It will be done unto you. And remember, Jesus is the same one that said, All things are possible to him that believeth. All things. That limits us in no way. Everything is possible to, to the one who believes. But to become one who believes, we must have a working knowledge of the Word of God. So there are different kinds of prayer. There are different ways to pray. And according to Jesus, to be effective in producing results, the Word has to abide in us. And in particular, with regard to prayer. So let's go to the book of Matthew, if you would please, with me. Matthew chapter 5. And the best thing that we could possibly do is to do a study on prayer. Some of the things that Jesus said about prayer, some of the things that others said about prayer will help us better understand how to pray. To learn the different ways to pray, the principles to prayer. And also some other things that Jesus taught that are equally as important to our lives with regard to prayer or praying. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 43, once again Jesus is speaking. He says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and everybody say pray. Circle that or highlight that if you write in your Bible. If you don't, buy another one in the bookstore. We have a bookstore back here and then bring it in. And then you can write in that one. You can write in ours. Amen. Amen. Write in it. Make a note of it. It will help you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I want you to notice that in talking about prayer, Jesus is speaking about an attitude that exists within the heart. You know what? Sometimes I think we need to just talk about attitude. You know, attitude is important in every area of life. In growing up, you need to have a good attitude. If you don't, you will limit yourself. Did you hear that? You will limit yourself. 
Young people limit themselves with bad attitudes. I believe they don't benefit fully from others that can really help them along life's path because they have a bad attitude. In marriage, you've got to have good attitude. What's one of the biggest words in a marital relationship is, I know there's love and communication and commitment, but I'll tell you what, I believe attitude stays right up there with them, don't you? Man, if you've got a bad attitude in marriage, it's going to be a hard road to hope. Amen. Attitude is very important. It can make the difference between you learning something or never getting what God wants you to know. When you come to church, you know your attitude is important. And if you have a bad attitude, you won't learn anything. You won't even receive anything that the Holy Ghost is trying to communicate to you. You can go in and think that, well, you know, what am I going to learn? Or I don't really want to be here or something like that. Attitude will prevent you. A bad attitude will prevent you from receiving God's best and walking in the light of God's best for your life. So no matter where you've been today and what you've been doing, if you need an attitude adjustment, twist your ears back and forth a little bit and maybe tap on your nose and do an adjustment in your attitude. Get things right and just say, I'm going to learn tonight. I'm going to learn some things. And you may have heard some of these things before, but that doesn't matter. Be like a sponge. Learn as much as you can. And even if you have learned this already, it'll be quickened in your heart and it still brings faith because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As long as you keep hearing it, you'll keep having faith in it. Amen. Amen. Okay. So attitude is important and that's what Jesus is talking about. Notice He's talking about be therefore perfect or mature as your Father is. What does prayer have to do with being mature? I believe it all applies to attitude. The way you conduct yourself. The way you present yourself. See, God loves humanity. God loves all people. I know that's hard for us to imagine. Even the guy out there committing murder and doing all kinds of uh, crazy things, God still loves that person. He doesn't love their sin, but He loves the person, doesn't He? You know, He wants us to demonstrate that same type of heart toward humanity. Notice this verse, verse 4, 44. But I say unto you, love your friends. No, it says what? Love your enemies. Okay? Then it says, bless them that curse you. That means speak well of those that speak evil of you. And then he goes on to say, do good to them that hate you. Now listen, since we're talking about prayer, we'll emphasize this part. And pray for them that build you up. And talk nice about you. No, that's not what that says, is it? No, it says, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And if you want a better understanding of what he's saying, it means pray for those that are full of spite, scorn, malice, anger. Pray for those that even abuse you. And why is he saying this? Because of attitude. To be like your father, you've got to have a good attitude. How many of you know that God has a good attitude? It's not that God's praying for his enemies. He's telling us to pray for our enemies to demonstrate the same type of attitude that God has. In other words, God overlooks the sin of his enemies. Why? With the intention of reaching his enemies' hearts. Aren't you glad that he looked the other way when he was looking at your sin? And says, I see something valuable and precious. And I'm not going to stop trying to penetrate that heart. 
in hope that that person will come to me and receive salvation. Aren't you glad that He did that for you? And that's what He's telling us to do for others. Does someone hate you? Is someone persecuting you? Is someone abusing you, injuring you, or doing something wrong to you? Prayer is an attitude of heart that says, Okay, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't even feel like doing this. This person is demonstrating malice and spite and and anger and, and, and all these evil things. But you know what? You told me to pray. So I'm going to maintain a good attitude. I'm going to demonstrate a mature attitude because you want me to be perfect, which means mature, just like you are. So I will pray for those that do what? Despitefully use me. And then look at the latter part of the verse. And persecute you. Persecute means to pursue in a manner to injure. To pursue in a manner to injure you. To afflict you. To harass you. To cause suffering to come into your life. How many of you want to pray for someone like that? Now, beloved, when it comes to prayer, we need to know everything that God said about prayer. Right? And this is something he said about prayer. We are to pray specifically for people that harass us. I know your flesh doesn't want to do it, does it? You're thinking about somebody right now, aren't you? You're saying, that rascal. God wants me to pray for that rascal. That person that has tried to purposely harass me and and injure me and abuse me. And God wants me to pray for that person. May I say this to you? Even if it doesn't benefit the person, it will benefit you. Don't be concerned about their growth and development. Be concerned about yours. Now, we've all been persecuted, probably by the best. I know people have set out to persecute me on purpose. I know that. But it doesn't bother me. And I've had people even say to me, why do you take that? And why do you refuse to respond to that? Well, to be frank about it, that's the problem they have. I don't have a problem with it. If they're speaking malice, if they're uh, trying to injure me, if they're persecuting me, harassing me, or trying to defame you know, my character and all that, that's their problem, not mine. All I've got to do is just love God and love humanity. And God will show mercy to me. But if I try to defend myself and go after them, I'll be just like them. So I might as well just ignore it and, and go on with God. And by the way, Father, that person trying to persecute me and defame my character and all that, I uphold them before you in the name of Jesus. And I see a person that's really probably valuable and precious on the inside. So I'm asking that you send a labor across their path to tell them about Jesus. Because really, if they knew Jesus, they wouldn't be doing that to me. And if they are a child of God, then you know what I would say? Open up their eyes, Father, to what Christian life is all about. Because brothers should love brother and not persecute each other. We should walk in love toward each other. Forgive each other. Be tender-hearted toward each other, the Bible said. So, Father, open up their eyes to what truth really is. Amen. And so in this particular verse, Jesus is pointing out the need for us, every one of us, as a child of God, to pray for our enemies. Pray for those that are purposely trying to injure us. First of all, number one, so that they would be touched by God. And you want them to be touched by God. 
but secondly, also because you need to do it for your own good. The enemy will use a bad attitude against yourself, against you. And it will do you more harm to try to get revenge than good. And so Jesus wants us to know that it's important, equally as important, to pray for our enemies and persecutors and abusers as it is for those that love us. Can you say amen? If you can't, say oh my. Look at Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. And verse 5. And when thou prayest. Notice once again, Jesus is talking about prayer. Thou shalt not be as the number one hypocrites. You might want to underline the word hypocrite. Because he doesn't want you to be like a hypocrite in prayer. So apparently there is hypocritical praying. Or hypocritical prayers. Correct? According to Jesus. And then he goes on to say, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. In other words, one who is a hypocrite only prays when others are there to view his praying efforts. He is only positioning himself to be seen of men so that he can have the accolades of men. And Jesus, once again, is talking about what? An attitude. An attitude. Don't be that way. Don't be hypocritical. Don't come off as being so spiritual and pious and a person of prayer when all you're doing is from your heart trying to be seen of men. Now, you have to remember they had praying walls where people stood outside of the city and they're right there where everybody could see them and they would just stand there and just, you know, pound their heads against the wall and doing all that. And that's fine. But what's on the inside of their hearts is what Jesus is trying to expose. The hypocrite is only there to be seen of men. In other words, this is a duty that I have to fulfill and perform in my life. And so I'm going to be do it and show the others that I am doing it also. There's no heart in it. When I say by heart, I'm talking about something on the inside. There's no spiritual force behind it. It's just going through the motions of it to be seen of men. Jesus said, that's hypocritical, and I don't want that for your life. We go on. Let's skip over verse 6 just for a moment. We'll get back to it and go to verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. Vain repetitions means useless, unsuccessful, foolish, silly, ineffective repetitions or repetitions that have no value. He says, don't use vain repetitions. Now listen, as the heathen do. Now he's talking about don't pray as the hypocrite. And also, secondly, don't pray as the heathen. See, heathens practice prayer. They have false gods and they have false images that they bow down to and they pray. And they think that they are going to be heard for their much speaking. Let's read on. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking in verse 7. So heathens pray thinking that if they pray over and over and say the same thing over and 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 over again, that somehow, some way, their gods are going to hear them. And Jesus said, don't do that. Those efforts are unsuccessful. They have no value to them. They're meaningless as far as Jesus is concerned. And he said, don't be as the heathen. You have a bookmark. If not, put your finger there. 
And go back to Psalm 115, if you would please, with me. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. There are those that pray and pray and pray to false idols and images. And they think that they're going to get some kind of result because of their efforts. But the Word of God exposes them and God Himself exposes them. There is no God like the God that we serve. These false gods are not going to answer the prayers of these people. If anything, they'll give place to demon spirits that will manifest themselves to try to accommodate the people. And so we shouldn't get caught up in that. Look at Psalm 115, a beautiful, beautiful psalm that talks about putting your trust in the living God and not in a false God. Verse 1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, Psalm 115.1, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathens say, where is now their God? But our God is in heaven, in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. So you can see he's talking about the heathen and his God. And how they pray repetitiously. Over and over and over and over and over and over again, trying to get this image or this idol to do something for them. Their trust is in a false god. Next verse. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. That classifies us right there. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath He given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. When we pray, we don't pray to an image. We don't pray to a false God who has eyes but doesn't see and ears but doesn't hear and nose that doesn't smell and mouth that doesn't speak. Who has hands that handle not and feet but don't walk. When we talk about God and praying to God, we're talking about God that made heaven and earth and seen all that in them is. We're talking about the creator of all mankind, of all the universe who has ears to hear, who has eyes to see, and an arm to reach out and deliver His people and become their help. Trust ye in the Lord, is what He's saying. Not in a false God. And when you talk to the living God, you know He will hear what you have to say. And you won't have to repeat it a thousand times. He'll get it the first time you talk about it. And I can show that to you also. But it really reminds me of the prophets of Baal. Remember those false prophets and how they tried to tried and prayed 
to try to get some answer from their God. But yet, there was no fire that came down from heaven. And they cut themselves and they beat themselves and they cried out. And Elijah, the prophet of God, one strong, opposed to all these other hundreds of prophets, said, are you about done? Calling upon the name of the Lord, your, whoever your God is? You think maybe he went out for a walk or maybe he's taking a snooze or a nap and that's why he can't hear you and he's not answering your prayer. He finally says, look, set a, set, just listen and, and watch and see. And he set up his altar and you know of the story. And he called upon the name of the Lord God, Jehovah God of Israel. When he finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. He's the God that answereth by fire. He heard the prayer of Elijah. And he answered the prayer of Elijah because Elijah knew him intimately and personally. Now, go on back to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. You can get your finger out now. Matthew chapter 6. and Let's pick it up here, what Jesus said about how to pray. Don't be like the hypocrite and don't be like the heathen, right? What did he say to do? Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest... I like this. He gives us the instruction that we need to have. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into your closet. Thy closet means your closet. When thou hast shut thy door, your door, pray to... I like this. Your Father, which is in secret... And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now he says how to pray. In other words, here's what he's saying. Develop a rapport with God. Recognize him as your father. This is talking about relationship. This is bringing nearness of God to our hearts. When you pray, Get alone with God. He's not in any way minimizing corporate prayer. We could all gather around this altar right now and begin to pray to God, everybody together, and God would be pleased. But if we want a good foundation in prayer, we've got to learn to get into our own prayer closet and get to know God as Father for ourselves. Don't be afraid of that quiet place. Don't be afraid of that secret place. It doesn't literally have to be your closet. It's talking about even right here and right now. Shut yourself in with God. Get alone with Him. Go out for a walk somewhere. You know, we're just too busy in our society. When people get in the car, they've got to have the radio on. When you walk into the store, there's music playing. No matter where you go, there is something reaching for your attention. Isn't that right? It's called noise. Noisy, 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 noisy society we have. And your head is just battered with it. It's no wonder people can't get quiet with God. It's no wonder there's no place where people can just hide themselves in His presence. You've got to do it on purpose because it won't just happen. You've got to say, Father, this is going to be our secret meeting place. And nothing is going to interrupt it. And you know what, saint of God? You may think, because I can't pray for 17 hours today. I'm just no good. If you prayed for just seven minutes today, it'll bless you. Don't be deceived by thinking length of time is primary. 
Acknowledging your Father is what's primary. Get alone with Him. Learn to talk to Him as a Father. Pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will do what? Reward you openly. Let's read on. After this matter, verse 9. After this matter. Oh, verse 8. Back up. Verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, that's the hypocrite or the heathen, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of. Wait a minute. You know prayer for the most part is a formality? Do you really think you have to tell God what you have need of? He knows what you need before you ask Him. You realize that? But He still wants us to ask Him. Why? For the same reason why you want your children to ask you. He wants your attention. He wants your fellowship. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to know that you trust Him and that you know Him. He wants you to get used to going to Him to be your Father. Helping you to get through life's fights. He knows what you have need of before you ask, but still, He says, ask. Ask and it shall be given you. Isn't that what it says? We'll get to that one in a minute. So He says right here, I know what you have need of, but I want you to ask Me for whatever it is that you need. So get used to doing that. Develop a good attitude in your life about prayer, about your relationship with your Father, about taking time to get into a secret place with Him. And then He gives us prayer principles. Prayer principles, beginning in verse 9. These are really principles to prayer or proper praying. We could call this the model prayer. Some people have taken this prayer in New Testament times and they have used it as... Prayer in itself. But to be frank about it, if you'll do a study on this particular passage of Scripture, you will discover that Jesus is teaching prayer principles. He has given us a model prayer. A way to give us understanding as to how prayer addressed to God should be done. And he begins by saying in verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, and the first thing he says is, Our Father, which art in heaven. This is prayer that's based on relationship. They're cold-hearted today, or if he's going to turn his back on you. But when you say, Father, what does that imply? Relationship. Intimacy. Right? It's like you could see yourself when you were young going up to your father and saying, Daddy, That's what he's talking about with regard to prayer. Prayer is getting into your Father's presence, recognizing Him as a Father with a Father heart. And I'm not talking about, let's say, someone who doesn't really know what it means to be a Father. There are men in the earth that don't know what it means to be a Father. There are men that have killed their children. Isn't that true? And, you know, my heart would be saddened to know of anyone who was hurt by a parent like that. But the idea is this. 
fatherhood should be patterned after the Father Himself. And find yourself someone who is a legitimate father. And when that child walks into the room and sees his father, he does not walk into that room in fear. But he's motivated by love. Daddy, if it's just to say, I love you. You know, sometimes I know when I, when I come home from work, you know, my other kids are older, but Carly's there and she can hear when the garage door goes up. And sometimes Krista will, will walk her over by the door that I'm supposed to be coming up out of. And I can hear her up there and she's giggling and she's laughing. And I hear her saying, dad, 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 about that fast. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm just about a puddle by the time I get to the, to the door because I hear her. And I know she's waiting. And when I look up and she's standing up there and she looks down and says, Daddy, Dad, Dad. Oh, I cannot tell you what it does to my heart. I was thinking about when I went home earlier to change the light bulb out on the outside of the house because it burned out. And so I walked over and I picked up the light bulb. And when I did, I heard her up there saying, Dad, I had to put that light bulb down. I said, forget the light bulb. <laughs> Walked into the house and saw her up there waiting. And that was more important. That's the kind of relationship and fellowship, communion and intimacy that God is talking about in prayer, that Jesus was really revealing here in prayer. He's saying, get to know him as a, as a loving, heavenly father who is one who is not an infidel, who is concerned about the needs of his children. Go there with that understanding, not a cold God who is so far in the distance that he has no understanding of my problems and what I'm going through in life. Man, just walk up to him and just say, Abba, Father, I just present myself to you. And the first thing he says to do is this. Look at this. I love this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, it's worship based on relationship. Too often, we're ready to just spew out the problem, right? Oh, God in heaven, you don't understand what I'm going through. This. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Put the brakes on right there. Do you recognize whose presence you are entering into when you begin saying what you're saying? He knows your problems. He knows what you have need of. But He wants you to come to Him as a child approaching a father who loves you and cares for you, saying, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or I love you, and I bless you, and I'm so glad that you're there and that you're my father. You know, as a child even begins to grow up and has other needs, you know, when children start getting a little bit older, they have even bigger needs. Isn't this true? And they may find themselves in, a, themselves in a fix or a bind and the thought comes to their mind, I know, I'll ask my dad to help. And oh, relief comes to the heart. I'll just ask my dad to help. I know he will. That's how he wants us to approach him. I know you're there to help me. And I'm going to start off by buttering you up. Isn't that what children do? Whenever I hear one of mine coming up to me and saying, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> Recently I heard, you're the best dad in all the world. I start looking around about that time. Have I told you how much I appreciate you? By that time it's how much 
what do you want? What are you asking for? But the damage is already done. They've already pierced your heart. That's how the Father wants us to approach Him. Hold your... Get this finger working again. Put your finger there. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, begin to butter Him up. Just, Just begin to approach Him, acknowledging Him as a Father, as the Creator of the universe. You see, beloved, if you're not used to doing this, then when problems arise, you'll just go into His presence with the problem rather than with the worship and the praise. Your motivation to enter His presence will be based on a difficulty rather than love and intimacy. Boy, that needs an attitude adjustment, doesn't it? Okay, now watch this in Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. Peter and John were persecuted for getting a, a man healed who had never walked. Taken into question, they were threatened to stop doing what they were doing. And in verse 23, being let go, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, listen to this, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God. Do you know what peace that brings to the heart? Aren't you glad that when you say, Father, You are God, that you're not going to an empty idol that has ears that don't hear and eyes that don't see and hands that don't reach out. You're going to Father. Father God, who made heaven and earth and sea. That's what they did. Look at what they did here. Lord, Thou art God that made the heavens and the earth and all that in them is. Now that right there, as far as I'm concerned, represents the credentials needed. If I'm going to somebody to answer my prayer, I want him to be qualified. If he made heaven and earth and all that in them is, he's qualified. Wow. If I could just buddy up to him, if I could just really get to know him, can you imagine that? As a father who has the equipment, the ability, the resources to help me. Wow. And he's on my side. The Bible says if God be for us, who could be against you? Okay. And so here is how they prayed. And you know, they really didn't even get to the problem until way down, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. That was it. That was it. I mean, they were threatened. Their lives were threatened. They were told if they preach or teach, they'll probably be beheaded. Stop doing it. I mean, that might carry some weight with some people. We don't live in those times and in those days. But can you imagine that? You preach or teach about this Jesus again or in His name, we'll have you beheaded. And so what did they do? Lord, Thou art God, You made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And he goes on to talk about some of those things. Then he said, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. That's all about the problem they talked about. Then he said, Thou grant unto Thy servants. This is what they wanted. Boldness, they may preach that we may preach Your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders would be wrought by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. In other words, we don't want to back off of it. We want to do more of it. That was their request. And the place was shaken where they were assembled together in the next verse. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the Word of God with boldness. But do you see how they approached God? 
Not out of fear. Not as if he was way out there in the distance and there was, there was nowhere to be found to help them. They began to worship him as the living God and it reminded themselves. You know, God doesn't have to be reminded he made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in it. I think he knows that. But who did it benefit? Them. When I worship God and say, Father, you made heaven and earth and sea, it makes my problem be about this big. Can you see that? My problem is way down here. It's the mohill, not the mountain. God, my Father, you made heaven and earth and seen all that in them is. My goodness, you're so great. And you get so lost and so caught up in all that that the problem diminishes. He increases. Go on back now. Give your finger a rest again. Matthew chapter 6. So pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And worship him like they did and bless him. And then he goes on to talk about another principle in prayer. Thy kingdom come, verse 10. Thy will be done as it, on, in earth as it is in heaven. He is saying that we need to pray the will of God to be done in earth as it is in heaven until his kingdom comes. There's a twofold meaning to this, I believe. This is my belief. A twofold meaning to the kingdom of God's arrival in the earth. Number one, until the kingdom of God arrives literally on earth, we are to pray that God's will be done. And that tells me that God's will is not being done. Babies dying every day is not God's will being done. Murders taking place every day is not God's will being done. Car wrecks, plane wrecks, train wrecks, bombings and tragedies is not God's will being done in earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? And so while we're on earth until his kingdom arrives, and how many of you know that when the literal kingdom of God is set up on the earth, the Prince of Peace will reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and there won't be any problems. But until that kingdom comes, we're to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and all is well in heaven. The second part to this is this. The kingdom of God has already come in our hearts. Put your finger back. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, if you would, please. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, and verse 20. The kingdom of God has already arrived. It's in our hearts. And until His kingdom comes literally on earth, we are to pray the will of God be done on earth. That's why we need to take prayer seriously. We can make the difference in people's lives. You know, John Wesley once said, it seems like God cannot do anything for people on earth unless somebody prays. Because He can't violate His principles. And so, we've got to pray so that God's will is done on the earth. And God is looking for men to pray. Amen. So His will can be done. But look at this verse 20 of, of Luke 17. And when He was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, He answered them and said... The kingdom of God cometh not with observation or without. Neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. If you are genuinely born again, then the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom, God's kingdom has come into your heart. Uh, the book of Colossians 1, 12 and 13 tells us that we've been delivered out of the powers of darkness and translated into the kingdom 
of his dear son. In other words, a transition has been made. Spiritually speaking, we have left the kingdom of Satan. We are in the kingdom of God and God's kingdom is within our hearts. The kingdom of God, according to Romans 14, is not in what we eat or what we drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And all that is what we have in spirit, right? For we are the righteousness of God in Christ in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So that means righteousness is right here inside me. Peace. In Romans 14.1, we are told that we have been justified by faith and we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got peace on the inside of us right now in our hearts. That's what the Word says. And then also joy in the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Joy is within us in our inward part. So the kingdom of God has come into our hearts, but it's not literally set up on the earth. And until that happens, we are to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And beloved, that's what God wants us to do. As a matter of fact, we need to be more serious about praying the will of God into our lives daily on earth. It's not automatically accomplished. It takes serious prayer, beloved, from every single one of us. If we want the will of God done in our lives, then we have got to pray it into our lives and give birth to it out of our spirits. Because even though God wants it to be done, it is not automatically done. It takes us praying it into being. So pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, he's not talking about taking this, what is called the Lord's Prayer, and just repeating it over and over and over and over and over again. He's talking about learning the principles to prayer, learning how to pray effectively and how we are to cooperate with God so that his will is done in the earth. Now, we're going to have to leave it off right there and we'll pick it up next Wednesday. We're going to continue on this for a while and teaching on prayer principles so that we can learn how to become more effective in prayer. And that's how I want to title this message, Developing Effectiveness in Prayer. Learning how to become better at praying. And beloved, once again, the biggest thing I believe, the biggest word that I express tonight is the word attitude. Attitude. We have got to have the right attitude toward God in prayer. We have got to have the right attitude toward people that persecute us. We've got to have the right attitude toward one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We've got to have the right attitude toward the Word of God that teaches us how to pray. Someone might get offended saying, I pray the way I want to pray. Well, looks like Jesus did a lot of teaching for nothing then. I'd rather pray the way Jesus said to pray than the way I feel like I should pray. See, what, doesn't that go back to attitude once again? Now, what I would like to do, because I believe this is a part of what we need to do, gather around this altar with me before we leave, because we are going to pray. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. 
I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.